Hello, and welcome to this installment of The Radical and the Restless, the podcast for emerging theater artists. I'm Olivia Wilson, and today our guest is Lulu Guzman. Lulu is a director, teaching artist, and divisor from Madison, Wisconsin, currently completing her last year of college from Chicago, Illinois. Lulu is committed to making art which puts diverse peoples and stories on stage, creating spaces for truthful, honest, and complex representations. She is constantly striving for theater, which celebrates bilingual tongues, same-sex kisses, and unapologetic ladies. Welcome, Lulu. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So we can dive right into the questions. So first, I want to hear a little bit about what your journey into theater was and how you kind of became involved with um, the theatrical arts. Yes. So I feel like many theater people, you know, I started off at a very young age from day one, a performance personality, you know, a little bit of a jokester, a love play pretend, um, just like most kids do. But anyways, um, so I was into all that kind of stuff. And I started at a small local children's theater um, and I you know, performed in their shows and did their camps. Um, and then when I got a little older, I was a camp counselor there. And so that was fun. And I got to do a little assistant directing, a little stage managing, um, sort of diving into the backstage world of theater. So that kind of was the little theater place that raised me. First Act Children's Theater, shout out, First Act Children's Theater of Madison. And then in high school, I took a couple theater classes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the basic story. When did you decide that this was something you wanted to do in life? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great question. So I would say, so in high school, my theater department was like many high schools around the country, a department which dealt or was trying to deal with some issues of diversity and racism and and colorblind casting and all of this sort of craziness. Um, and it was something that I became really passionate about is making theater a space for specifically BIPOC individuals. So that was sort of a big fight that I had with my department and sort of, so my senior year of high school, I was like, okay, theater is not just something I'm like passionate about. And it's something that I wanted, I'm interested in as a hobby, but it's something that I'm like very willing to fight for. Like I will throw my body in front of, you know, the oncoming truck of evil to make it better. Um, So that was kind of when I realized I was like, okay, so this is something that I think I really need to take seriously and maybe uh, do and keep working to make better, so. And you came to NTI as a director, um, but I'm assuming you kind of started as a performer. When and how did you kind of make that transition and decide that, not that this is what exclusively you're going to do, but perhaps this is what you're going to focus on? Yeah, I can't like pinpoint a specific moment because I think it just kind of happened. Um, My sophomore year of college, I was in a couple of performances the beginning of that year and towards the end of freshman year. And sort of the whole time, I think I was just directing each performance I was in, in the back of my head. I was like, well, (laughs) that is not how this is supposed to be. That is not supposed to be there. What are you doing? Even though I love, I loved all the directors. They were my, you know, some of my best friends. And I was like, 
you know, you're so smart, but that is so not how I would do it. And so I was like, I just, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta go for it. So I like last minute submitted a proposal to um, downstage, they accepted my, and I had like never felt like more myself or more comfortable doing anything or honestly just happy doing anything. So that was kind of the like, I guess maybe the switch for me was like, okay, this is the thing for me. Right. The last eight months have been kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but can you tell us a little bit about what creation during quarantine has been like for you um, and what kind of your current projects that you're working on are and what they entail? <laughs> yes. So creation for me, this quarantine season um, has been the act of gathering. I have been doing a lot of gathering of material and inspiration for future projects for just to feed my soul. Um, so that includes a shit ton of Pinterest boarding. I have so many Pinterest boards. It's ridiculous, but I'm very proud of each and every one of them. I've curated them once so each and every one so specifically. Um, <laughs> so that's something I've been doing. I've been trying to read a lot also, like just going back to some of my like childhood favorite books and just sort of reminiscing and feeling nostalgic about that and um, sort of, you know, the books that got me into storytelling. So I've been doing, yeah, just a lot of gathering. What are you um, reading right now in terms of plays or books? Plays or books? Let's see. Um, so I'm actually, um, I just finished rereading the Gregor the Overlander series by Suzanne Collins. This was Suzanne Collins pre-Hunger Games. So it was her at her best, her original, her most raw, if you will. Um, <laughs> and it's just this totally phenomenal fantasy book. And it's, and it focuses on this young boy named Gregor and he falls into this magical land underneath his basement that is full of like gigantic rats and cockroaches and these like purple human beings um, that live under Manhattan. And there's this like epic war that's going on and he meets this princess, but they just stay friends for almost the entire series. And it is this wow. beautiful platonic relationship between, you know, this like dude and this awesome kick-ass princess who like rides a massive bat and like, you know, knows how to work a sword. So that's what I'm reading right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I've never heard of those books. But they sound amazing. <laughs> They're so good. I would highly recommend. They should definitely, <laughs> I don't know, be turned into a, a series of plays, maybe mini plays for children. You could Who do knows? it. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> so are you doing any, is your school, I guess, doing any like virtual productions? Yes. So the theater department is doing they're doing five or six main stage productions and they're still doing their um, first look reading series, which is mostly student work, um, student written work um, and student directed. So that is still happening. We have a couple productions that are being directed by grad students and then most of them are being directed by undergrads or are devised pieces directed by undergrads. So I, I haven't gone, to, uh, there's been like one or two productions up maybe. I haven't gone to see any of them, but they're still doing like full rehearsals, which I think is wacko. 
and I'm just like I don't know how people have like full week rehearsals like they have they still they're still doing like two to three hour rehearsals um with Wednesdays off and they're doing like a lot of OBS that's the the new hot platform of uh virtual streaming theater so I hear I haven't checked it out myself I'm really just taking it easy right now theater wise honestly Um, good for you (laughs) thank you Thank you. I'm doing, you know, I got it. I have to. It's You're necessary. gathering. You're gathering. Yes, I'm, ga- I'm gathering. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah. So there's, they're going for it. Absolutely. Wow. 100%. That must be exhausting. Yeah. So I guess this kind of like lends itself to our next question about where do you want the industry to go post COVID or where do you see it going? That's a great question. I mean, sort of on this like idea of gathering, you know, I feel like something that's come out of this time is everybody really feels this like need to produce and this need to be like, this is generative. This is a generative time. We're all going to come out of this with like, so, you know, so many new plays, so many COVID plays, which I think is good and exciting, but I also think like this idea of slowing down and really being like, okay, what are the things that are important to us? You know, I can't remember. Uh, I was watching some really cool directress talking and she was saying something about like, you know, when we go back to theaters, it has to, it literally now is life or death. Like it has to be important. We have to like, it has to be we have to be making a conscious choice, an active choice to be going into theaters and to be doing things better than they were before. So like, obviously I think the, you know, BIPOC demands for white American theater are incredible and they're on everybody's mind. I know, you know, I'm having discussions about them in all my theater classes. One of them in in particular, it has been a wild experience and discussion of, you know, that text or, you know, that document. And it's like very emotional. It's been cuckoo bananas. But hopefully seeing some, you know, real accountability for theater and arts administration. And I think there's a real push from, from the people, <laughs> um, which is really exciting. And so I just want to keep pushing harder. And yeah, just hopefully more transparency and accountability will happen moving forward. As a young person kind of going into whatever the industry is, (laughs) um, (laughs) I guess, yeah, how do you feel about approaching kind of this new entity that is, that there's just like so much room for change? I mean, I'm super excited. I'm terrified. I mean, just from like a, will I be able to make money standpoint, I'm terrified. But from a like, the change of theater, the revolution of theater, it's, I think it's really exciting. I've been talking a lot with some of my other director friends specifically about, you know, this time really for artists is super lonely. And I think coming out of it, everybody's just going to be so excited to be together. And one of the things that I think is maybe hopefully going to come out of that is maybe some more co-directing, especially lady teams, lady co-directors. You know, I feel like everybody always gets up on their high horse about like, oh, directors are the most lonely people in the room and they have to be like isolated and see everything. And there's just so much pressure. 
and especially for like women directors, there's so much pressure to be like professional and be, you know, you know, this, this picture of professionalism. But obviously I think we're moving away from that. And really, I just want to like hug all of my director friends and like make weird stuff with them and collaborate and yeah, and just not have to totally rely on myself, but lean on each other. I mean, if anything else from this time, I think that's what people have learned is that we really have to lean on each other and ask for help and slow down a little bit, not put so much pressure on, on ourselves and our community. So that's something I'm hoping to see and am excited for, I guess, coming out of this time or I don't know, just moving forward, maybe not coming out of it, just moving forward. That was so well said. As a director moving forward, what do you think is the most important part of creating a creative <laughs> rehearsal room <laughs> and um, rehearsal space moving forward? And now that a lot of things are happening on Zoom and we can't really create those spaces, how do those spaces change when we go back to physically collaborating in this space? I mean, that's a great question. I truly have no idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think in general for me, I mean, obviously I'm trying to think of like another word for gathering because I feel like I've said it so many times. But a part of it is I think everybody in the room should have agency or should feel they have agency over the process and over not just you know, their own specific roles. I'm thinking specifically of, I think I'm specifically talking about actors right now is that they also feel agency over the creative process. And so they're part of that artistic conversation as well of, you know, costume set, lighting, whatever, which I think is especially relevant and easy to do given the Zoom platform, um, right? It's like you have to, in your own space, um, create an environment and you sort of, in a sense, become a designer yourself, which is really exciting. You know, you have to go find the flashlight and color on a piece of paper to like make a fake pretend gel and light to, you know, make yourself glow pink for that perfect moment um, in the play on Zoom, I guess, and make Zoom look pretty. Um, <laughs> so I think that's part of it is really being, giving everybody a sense of agency and a voice within the creative process. And that's something that you can do no, no matter where you are. Is you know, ask, ask people to contribute to your Pinterest boards, you know, create collaborative playlists and, you know, share music, share imagery, you know, share your notes, whatever like things you're writing down in your notebook and just ideas that you have, share that with the people that you're working with. Put it all out on the table for everybody to sort of, you know, eat. <laughs> yes, feast. Everyone come to the feast and, and eat all of the artistic inspiration. So speaking of collaboration and agency, do you think we'll see like an upsurge of like devised pieces? Yes, but I don't know if that's a result of like this time or if that's just the way that everything's been headed in general. I mean, I also go to a school that is has a big device emphasis and there's always like two or three out of the like five semester productions are devised. So for me, it feels really relevant. But I do think, yes, that we are headed towards a very collaborative, hopefully, future. I feel like recently, 
um, when people do things on Zoom, they are technically like site specific because they are in their rooms or whatever like location that the individuals are in. And I also just wonder about if site specific work after, you know, when we're, <laughs> when we are physically able to be together, if site specific work will kind of operate in that same way or if that physical space that we all share now takes on almost like a new meaning. Yeah. I mean, I think site-specific work and devised work, I mean, I feel like a lot of it is about, you know, transforming spaces or it's about um, sort of reclaiming something, reclaiming text, reclaiming a way of working, which I feel like is very prevalent right now, is the matter of like taking back something. Just some thoughts, you know. <laughs> yeah, just, just pondering. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, yeah, I think we can wrap this up. Thank you so much, Lulu. This has been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Yay! Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, join us next time as we highlight another emerging theater artist here on The Radical and the Restless. <laughs>